Welcome, welcome back to another episode of The Jar. I am your host, Tony or Tone, whichever you want to call me. And here for all the best podcasting sports news, information, factual information, opinionated information. You guys decide if you love it, hate it, or want to steal it. Um, we're going to kick things off with a week 16. I'm sorry I missed last week, but you know, Christmas holidays, you know, how that go shopping. I'm pretty sure you guys was doing it too. A long week, so I do apologize, but I'm here to catch you guys up on a lot of stuff we missed. Um, what a week. What a week. I mean, you saw some Super Bowl previews, um, some games of the teams that can't beat other teams when they're not at home, um, so forth and so on. Um, and I'm going to get to that Super Bowl preview game, possibly. But first, let's go ahead and kick things off with this week's 16th schedule that started off on Thursday night, December 21st, which was the New Orleans Saints versus the Los Angeles Rams. Um, pretty good game. Uh, most people expected uh, the Rams to win that game. And, of course, New Orleans was going to put up a fight. Um, and New Orleans ended up losing that game. And Matthew Stafford threw for 300-plus yards. Uh, Puka Nakua is looking like he's runner-up for offensive uh, rookie player of the year. Of course, he'll probably be behind C.J. Stroud because quarterbacks pretty much win everything, unfortunately. Not saying he's not worth it, but the fact that he's been injured, they should maybe give Puka a chance to win, but they probably won't. So the uh, Rams won that game 30-22. Um, the Rams are serious. They're turning it on at the right time. And if I was in the NFC, I would be worried to play them. I'm just going to be flat out honest about that. The Rams are serious. Um, the next game on the slate was the Saturday games because, you know, it's getting close to the playoffs. So now they give us a present by having Saturday games as well, which we all love. Um, the first game being the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers won. Uh, they made up for their loss last week when they lost to the New England Patriots, was was a pretty much a letdown. Um, if you guys weren't familiar, they had an issue with George Pickens not wanting to block because he was scared of getting hurt in the sport of football. He was scared of getting hurt. That's a story for another day, unfortunately. Um, it's kind of weird. I'm pretty sure a lot of players actually think like that. That's the funny thing. They just don't say it out loud. Um, he said it out loud because he doesn't care. The real question is, why is every receiver that shows that they're really good or talented feel like they can do what they want to do over there under Mike Tomlin's watch? I think I, I love him. He's a great coach. But it's looking a little suspect, almost as if he allows whatever. Now, I know you can say, hey, all coaches do that. Well, how many coaches allow their receivers or running backs or anybody in any position to go live in a locker room during the win and a coach's speech? They don't. So you can make that excuse if you want to, but it seems like there's a reoccurring theme over there in Pittsburgh. Now, let's not get it twisted. George Pickens went off that game, 195 yards. Now, the funny thing is, Mason Rudolph came in and did his job. Now, he was a quarterback that they tried about three years ago, and they weren't good with him, and so they decided to bench, bench Mitchell Trubisky and give him a try, and he actually played good. Again, I've said this in the past, and I'm going to say it again. The Pittsburgh Steelers just really need a quarterback to be serviceable because their defense is going to hunt, and that's what it looked like. Even though Jake Browning has showed promise over in Cincinnati, let's be honest, he's not Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase is hurt. 
T. Higgins is an animal, and he'll probably be going to another team next year, unfortunately, um, for Cincinnati, unless they pay him the boatload, if they can afford to. It's just unfortunate that they more than likely won't have him on another healthy year once Joe Burrow gets himself together. Um, unfortunately. But whoever he goes to, um, he's going to make them that much better. So, yeah, uh, Pittsburgh won that game 34-11, and it's because their offense came to play to match their defense. So as long as Mason Rudolph can kind of play the way he needs to play, and I'm going to say this, get George Pickens the ball, and maybe he won't not block or whine or whatever he was doing, they got a chance of making some people look crazy. Um, they got a, one more game against the Baltimore Ravens. I'll get to them as well because they're the top of the top. They're the cream of the crop. And Pittsburgh did beat them. Now, that was earlier in the season, but Pittsburgh did beat them. Division rivals are always tough, and you know Pittsburgh is going to bring it. So if they got a quarterback that can play good, you know, maybe score between 10 and 18 points, the Steelers' defense is going to smash you in the mouth. So um, that'll be soon to come, um, you know, in about a week or two. Um, Next game on the slate for Saturday was the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Chargers. There's nothing really to talk about. Buffalo Bills are um, they're also looking good um, heading into the playoffs. At first, they, we pretty much were wondering if they were if they were gonna make the playoffs. But at this point, it looks like they're gonna make the playoffs. Why? Because uh, Josh Allen is playing MVP ball. <clears throat> yeah, he still had a turnover. He does, but it seemed like his defense is kind of stepping up. Finally, it looks like they're turning around. So if he makes a mistake here and there, and he's not making the timely mistakes that's putting him in bad positions. Yeah, he's gonna throw an interception. Let's be honest. For as talented as he is, he makes some stupid mistakes. But as long as he makes some at the time where the defense can still survive, they should be good. So, of course, they won this game 24-22, even though it shouldn't have been this close. Um, Justin Herbert is out for the year. Keenan Allen is shut down pretty much, and it shouldn't have been close. But as long as they won the game, that's all that mattered. So look out for the Bills. A lot of teams are saying they're scary. I don't know if they're so much scary, but I would say you wouldn't want to play them. Now, 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 let's get to the Sunday slate. Uh, first game on the slate was the Indianapolis Colts versus the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people had Indianapolis winning this game because they're on a roll. They're playing pretty good. Their defense is playing good. Gardner Minshew is playing pretty good. But Atlanta made a move that I think they should have made and stayed with some weeks back. Um, a few weeks ago, maybe even four or five, they benched Desmond Ritter because I don't know if he's – I don't know if he's what they need. And they started Tyler Heineke. Taylor Heineke, excuse me. He's not great. He's pretty good. And he plays the right way, in my <clears throat> excuse me, in my opinion. Um, so they started Taylor Heineke and they took off. The offense looked really good. Um, B. John Robinson is running the ball. They have the talent on the offense and tight end positions. It's just they need a good quarterback to get them there. They need a good quarterback when B. John is running the ball good to set up play action for the receivers, for the for the tight ends. And so that's what it was. They inserted Taylor Heineke, and he blew out the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts have been scoring at least 20, 25-plus points as of recent. They only scored 10. So that shows you that if Atlanta has a pretty good quarterback with the talent they have, they're going to be a tough out. Now, do I think this is the year where they could scare some people if they went to the playoffs? No. 
this is pretty much a growing uh, season for them um, to figure out what they're going to have between um, their tight end, their receivers, and, of course, their uh, star running back. And they're going to have to make a decision if Desmond Ritter is going to be their um, number one quarterback or if they're just going to go with Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke, or if they're going to just kind of wait in that position and decide for a future and just have Taylor as the um the main quarterback going forward. So they won that game 29-10. Um, so the Colts, again, they're making a run for the playoffs. This wasn't good for them because they're kind of in a situation where um, they're fighting for seeds to go to the playoffs, and now it's go time. So they can't afford, honestly, another loss or two, or they may find themselves on the outside looking in, especially with Pittsburgh having a quarterback that might be serviceable for them, and especially because the Bills are surging. The next game on the slate was the Seattle Seahawks versus the Tennessee Titans. Um, it was Smash Mouth football. Um, not much really expected from this game. Um, Tennessee, I think, is still trying to find themselves. Um, they had, uh, I don't know, I just, I'm just i just not happy with Tennessee. Um, I had some promise for them with them getting DeAndre Hopkins, but I just think they're too old and they're beat up and they just need a start. They just need a restart. Um, they just need to figure out what they're going to do with Will Levis, whether they're going to start him or bench him. They need to figure out what they're going to do with um, Derrick Henry. I think they should let him walk, um, give him an opportunity to play on a team that has a chance of winning because um, they have a good coach, so they can't blame the coach, and then go from there. So Seattle ended up winning that game 2017 because Seattle had Geno Smith and the Tennessee Titans didn't. <laughs> as simple as that. Um, so good luck to Seattle. They're fighting for the playoff lives as well. And I think if they do get in the playoffs, it would actually, I would love to see another rematch between Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions. They actually beat Detroit earlier in the season. So that would be a pretty entertaining uh, game to say the least. Next game on the slate was the Detroit Lions versus the Minnesota Vikings. Again, division rivals. It can always go nip and tuck. The only difference is, Nick Mullins is the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings because they decided Joshua Dobbs isn't good enough. I don't understand it off two games. Maybe they're just trying to make an excuse not to play him. And Detroit Lions has Jared Goff, who's if you he's on another tier from Nick Mullins. And that's pretty much what it was. Nick Mullins threw interceptions at the wrong time. Jared Goff played the right um, played the right uh, way. Uh, Jeremiah Gibbs ran the ball. David Montgomery ran the ball. And the play action opened up for his receivers. And that's pretty much what it was. The game was close, 30-24. Detroit won. But, again, I mean – Minnesota's pretty much in a, you know, they're, they're, they they got to figure things out. Kirk Cousins is going to be coming off an Achilles tear, which we're seeing with Aaron Rodgers. That actually doesn't mean anything now, possibly. <laughs> and Justin Jefferson is not going to stay over there and be happy if they're constantly losing because he's too talented and he doesn't want to waste his time, just like a lot of players mostly. Um, so I think Minnesota, I don't, they're not probably not going to make the playoffs and they have to decide in the off season what they're going to do. Cause this is going to be make or break probably for Justin Jefferson making these decisions for the foreseeable future. And the next game was the Washington commanders versus the New York jets. Now the New York jets jumped on the Washington commanders. I mean, it was 21 zip before we looked up. Then when we looked up, it was, <sighs> 27-28. So the commanders came back from 20-plus points down within a quarter and a half 
to pretty much almost beat the Jets, which the Jets are pretty much pathetic, as we all know. They can't really score, but they seem to score a bunch of points in the first half with Brees Hall running the ball as well as he has. So sad they don't have a quarterback. And they still almost lost because, for one, I don't think defense really cares like that too much, even though they could have said, hey, we're up a bunch of points. Let's just lock down. I just think they know that it's a washed-up season. I think they don't want to get hurt because I think they want to prepare for next season, hopefully with Aaron Rodgers this time. And they almost let the commanders come back and beat them. But fortunately for them, they got a walk-off field goal kick to win the game, 30-28, the New York Jets. Not sure what they're going to do with their actual – I'm not sure what Washington's going to do with their actual head coach. Ryan Rivera seems to be a good coach, maybe more so uh, defensive-related. Maybe he'll be a coordinator, but I think he's going after this year. The next game on the slate was the Green Bay Packers versus the Carolina Panthers. That game was close. Carolina hasn't been good this year. Uh, Their defense has been really good, unfortunately, um, for them to not – play as good on the offensive side, and they almost won this game. But eventually, it just came down to Bryce Young, even though he had a good game, 300-plus yards, and Jordan Love. And I think Jordan Love is just a little bit better than Bryce Young. And Green Bay made the right plays to win the game, and they did 33-30, walk-off field goal. Not a surprise. Again, Carolina has no reason to even win right now. You know, they're just trying to figure themselves out for next year. Um, maybe they'll get a better offensive line. Uh, maybe after a year under his belt, Bryce Young will get better from the quarterback position and then go from there. Next game on the slate was the Cleveland Browns versus the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are falling backwards. Not surprised. Um, C.J. Stroud is out. Tank Dale has a broken uh, fibula. Um Nico Collins is out, I think, for the year. So, really, they're just treading the water at this point. Their season is pretty much over. They had so much promise, but, you know, injuries happen in football, especially when it happens to your main guys, which was your best receiver and your quarterback. And, of course, they lost to a team that's on the – they're on the rise. Again, I've spoken about them pretty much every week, rightfully so. I've been saying Cleveland is going to be scary with Deshaun – and Nick Chubb. They don't have neither. And they're still winning. So they won the game 36-22. But be careful. Cleveland Browns are going to be scary because they're, for some reason, able to win regardless. That just shows you how good their defense is. In the playoffs, they're going to be scary. Now, they could lose right away because, again, Joe Flacco's older. Um, we don't really expect them to be doing anything. But if they win... If they win, especially if they beat somebody that they're not supposed to, oh, man, it's going to shake some things up. So, uh, Cleveland Browns, they're scary. They play defense. They run the ball. And if Amari Cooper shows up like he's supposed to, now he probably won't have 265 yards. Come on. But at least if he can get one touchdown, maybe two touchdowns, or one touchdown and 100-plus yards with that defense – If Joe Flacco doesn't turn the ball over, Cleveland is going to be scary. Guys, just remember I said that. Next game on the slate was the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One name, Baker Mayfield. Who all thought Baker Mayfield couldn't play? A lot of us. 
you know, he's more of a talker than a player. He makes bad decisions. He needs to shut his mouth. I'm pretty sure a lot of people feel like that. But that's who he is. It seems like the minute you count Baker Mayfield out is when he plays even better. The minute you say Baker Mayfield shouldn't start, he should start. The minute Baker Mayfield is an underdog, he's not. And that's what he's doing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has the Buccaneers playing some absolute great football. Now, I say great because the expectations was Tom Brady's gone. You just put Baker Mayfield in there, and they'll probably win some games. But they're playing good football, not just like, ah, they're doing okay. They're treading water, and they, for the most part, are. But they're playing the right way. Mike Evans is playing absolutely great football. But he's going under the radar because he's kind of a quiet receiver. He doesn't whine. He doesn't moan, at least that we see. But, I mean, he's been getting a 1,000 yards for the past five or six years, which I think only a certain amount of receivers do it. I don't have the number for that right now. But I'm going to say this. Tampa Bay is playing good football when they get in the playoffs, depending on who they play, especially if they're at home. They're another team that could scare somebody. Not saying they will win, but that's what makes football football. It takes one game. Eli Manning did it. Remember that. Eli Manning did it, and I think he did it twice. Wild card all the way to the Super Bowl, and he won. Aaron Rodgers, he wasn't the number one seed, and that's when he won. (laughs) So I'm just going to say this. I don't expect him to do anything, but did we expect Eli to do anything? Watch out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Next game on the slate was the Arizona Cardinals versus the Chicago Bears. Snooze fest. Chicago Bears won 27-16. Kyler Murray had a pretty good uh, game, 200-plus yards, but nobody cares about either of those teams. They're just on the men. Um, At this point, it doesn't matter. The Bears just need to focus on the future and who they're going to draft. But at least they won, right? Now, this next game on the slate was one of the games of the week. Some people say a Super Bowl preview as well. Um, Some people say, can they beat a team 500 and over more than once? Dallas. Some people say, can they win if they're not at home? Unfortunately, one team was at home and the other wasn't. So, it was a lot going on in this game. Dallas Cowboys, they beat Philadelphia, but they haven't really beat any competition outside of Philadelphia that's over 500. Seattle, if you want to count them, but yeah, they haven't. And another thing, can they win when they're not at home? Miami Dolphins, can they beat a team that's over 500? Dallas did it. They didn't. So the real question is, what team can actually look like they can win in the playoffs when it comes down to it. Because you're going to be playing against all teams over 500 for the most part. All teams that are good for the most part. Now, I'll say this. What Miami had going for them is they were at home, right? That's what they had going for them. But what Dallas had going for them is they were the more physical team, supposedly the better defensive team, supposedly the better quarterback, And maybe the better front. I don't know. 
either way, a lot of it was kind of a pick 'em game. A lot of people had Miami, a lot of people uh had Dallas. Um, so it was kind of tough to decide, but I'll say this. I think that game was everything we needed it to be. Tua played pretty good. Um, Dak played pretty good. Now I'll say this. Here's the scary part. Raheem Mostert got beat up a little bit. Jalen Waddle was out the game. Tyreek Hill was coming off an ankle injury. And Miami still won. Dallas, I think when they got stopped at the goal line on that drive, that made everything change. You get stopped on that drive by Tony Pollard at the goal line. Then you fumble with your fullback that you decided to give the ball to. A lot of people feel like that should have been Zeke who had the ball instead of Tony Pollard. But no, they decided that Tony Pollard is the better running back who hasn't shown he's a better running back. He's shown that he's a good two. He's a good tandem running back. He can't have the ball all the time. You know, uh, he's a scat back. I'll say that. And they need a power back. And a lot of people believe Zeke wouldn't have got stopped at that goal line like that. He wouldn't have got turned around at the goal line like that. So, therefore, you wouldn't have had to give it to the fullback to fumble the ball. And that's what they did with the game. They fumbled the ball. And that was pretty much what happened. If they scored a touchdown, I believe, I believe they win that game. Instead, it just shows you that Dallas isn't there yet. And even though it was a nip and tuck game, it came down to certain things. But you can argue over two things. You can argue Miami's injuries is what is the reason why the game was close. Or you can argue that if Dallas scores that first touchdown, they win the game. So you have a two-sided coin here, and you just flip it and decide which one you go with. Either way, Miami still won the game. And they won the game 22-20. So it wasn't like it was a high-scoring game. It was a well-fought game. It was a tough game. It just came down to X's and O's, and it came down to who could make the less mistakes. And Dallas made that big mistake at the beginning, and that's what I think cost them the game. I'm going to go on that side. I don't know how Miami would have been if Jalen Waddle was still um, in the game. Maybe they would have blown it open if they had him and uh, Tyreek. I don't know how Tyreek Hill ankle was through the game. Maybe he wasn't 100%, but he's so fast, you never know. All I know is you have to see what you see on the field. And what I saw was if Dallas scored that touchdown, we might be seeing something totally different. So we're still left with this. Miami can win against a team plus 500, but can they win on the road? Dallas can beat a team over 500, but can they win on the road? That's the problem. So in a sense, we kind of really never got the answer. We kind of got two things from two teams that we're still unsure about. Um, I think we want to believe in Dallas and Miami. I think we like the explosive offense. I think a lot of people like the Dallas Cowboys. But the real question is, can those teams win when it counts? And even though Miami won, it wasn't like they blew out Dallas. So you kind of walked away from it, well, oh, it's a great game. But you still felt like there was nothing accomplished by both teams, in my opinion. So they got two more games. Miami has to play Baltimore in Baltimore. So I'll say this. If Miami can at least keep it close, because I don't think they'll win. If they can at least keep it close, I'll feel confident for them in the playoffs. But mm, I don't know. Now, if they win, then we'll have another discussion. Then we'll say maybe they have a chance of going to the Super Bowl. But until then, mm, I don't see it. Dallas, Dallas has to deal with 
they have to deal with San Francisco and Philly. I know they beat Philly, but Philly beat them. So let's not, you know, discount the fact that Philly won first. Um, just be careful, Dallas. You know, a lot of people believe in you guys. A lot of people think you guys could go to the Super Bowl. But the way you guys play, and depending on who you guys are playing, it could be a little scary. I don't think Dallas wants to see the uh, the the Rams in the playoffs. That's just my opinion. Um, those two weapons over there are very dangerous. So we'll see. We got two weeks before the playoffs start. Um, again, kudos to Miami for winning the game. They should have. They were at home. And they were in, and they had injuries, so you got to give them respect. And Dallas is still kind of left figuring out who they're going to be, and we will see. And the final game on the Sunday slate, which was a horrible seven o'clock game, um, I'm not even sure why that was even the seven o'clock game, honestly. But I guess you needed something, right? Um, even though it could have been Dallas and Miami, maybe they didn't want to put that game late. Who knows? But it was the New England Patriots versus the Denver Broncos. Denver is fighting for their playoff lives, and they came up short. There's no other way to scratch the surface. They were down pretty much 26-3 or something like that because I kind of fell asleep watching the game, in a sense. And they end up roaring back to tie the game. But Denver's so good defense let Bailey Zappi have a good game against them. He had 250-plus yards. Bailey Zappi, who seems to be the quarterback instead of Mac Jones, by the way, which is unfortunate because everybody was high on Mac Jones. Maybe he can play. Maybe he just not can play. Maybe he just can't play in New England. Who knows? But Denver is fighting for the playoff lines. Russ looked a little scared out there. He looked a little skittish. He looked like he actually wanted to be home with his family. And I don't like to go into the Sierra stuff and all that, but he just looked off that day. Their whole team looked off. And they came back in the end. Again, they tied the game up, but they lost. You can't lose to the New England Patriots if you're trying to fight your way in the playoffs. Same thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can't lose to certain teams at the end of the year when you're fighting. And you know Bill Belichick is good for doing that. His defense is going to come to play regardless of his offense. And you get a good offense too or a pretty serviceable offense, it's going to be a problem. And that's what happened. Denver lost because they weren't ready. I don't think they're prepared. And from what I'm understanding, they're actually going to bench Russell Wilson and put in Stidham. I don't know if they're just giving up. I mean, because I don't – Stidham is – I don't care how bad Russ looked on that game. He's better than Stidham. We'll see. Um, in the meantime, congratulations to doing the Patriots winning 26-23. And they're going to be doing that for the next two weeks. They're going to try to win some games to make some teams look bad. Be careful. Bill Belichick's defense is for real now. And now for the Monday slate, <clears throat> we had three games, actually, for Christmas. Uh, first game was the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And we walked away from that game probably with an attitude. And then some walked away from that game saying, if you don't sign that coach, something's wrong. Are you? I mean, come on. Like, seriously. The Las Vegas Raiders had in their mind, we're going to beat up, we're going to punk the Kansas City Chiefs. Because if you remember before, they were up, I think, 21 or 20-something in the first half. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes being who he was, roared back and won. But this time, they said, we're going to beat them up, we're going to double Kelsey, and we're going to say beat us. And they couldn't. For as good as Patrick Mahomes is, there were some errors that he actually had because – 
the offense didn't do anything for the Las Vegas Raiders. It was all, all defense and miscues on the Kansas City Chiefs. You had them trying to be pretty when they were on their own red zone. And they fumbled the ball. And the Vegas Raiders picked up the ball. And they scored. Then you had Patrick Mahomes throwing the interception. Pick six. The Las Vegas Raiders didn't have any offense. I think they had a minus 10 or something like that. Or they had uh, one catch by a receiver in the first half. And they won the game. And it looked like they didn't need to even score because what they said is the Chiefs can't score. A Patrick Mahomes-led team cannot score. So all we need is 20 points and we'll win. And that's exactly what happened. The Las Vegas Raiders scored 20 points. 20 points. I'm going to say it again. The Las Vegas Raiders scored 20 points. Won a miscue by the Kansas City Chiefs. Won a pick six um, by Patrick Mahomes. And they pretty much said, we can score six more points and win the game. And that's pretty much what they did. Kansas City Chiefs had some more drop balls. It's even trickling down to Travis Kelsey. He dropped a pass, and then he got frustrated on the sideline. He smashed it through his helmet and even had to have Andy Reid, Santa Claus Andy Reid, get in his face and give him a shove like, what are you doing? You're a leader out here. You don't do that because if you do it, everybody else is going to do it. That's how frustrated you can tell the Kansas City Chiefs are. They look like a team that are not for sure of themselves. They're not focused. Um, they're not confident. And it shows. I think when you saw Patrick explode on the sideline about two weeks ago about Kadarius Tony being offsides, which he was, that was kind of the trickle-down effect from there. They're not winning. They're not playing good. Their offense is not good. Their defense is playing pretty good. And their offense is not close. And I think for one time in his career, Patrick Mahomes said, we're not good enough. But he's not going to say it to us. I think he truly believes we're not good enough. Here's the thing. A lot of people are saying it's because Tyreek Hill isn't there. But they won last year without Tyreek Hill. The only difference is they had Juju Smith-Schuster, who had, uh, I think, under four touchdowns last year. So I don't think he's the main reason. I think he's better than what they have. The big minus they have is Eric Bieniemy. Now, Here's the thing. Is Eric Bieniemy really that good on the offensive side? He has to be, right? Because if you can win a Super Bowl with Juju Smith-Schuster, Travis Kelsey does look a little older. I'm going to say that too. But if you can win a Super Bowl with Juju Smith-Schuster against the Philadelphia Eagles who had like a record of sacks in a season, if you can beat them in a Super Bowl, why are you looking so subpar? I mean, you don't even look like a top four team. You look like you're going to be out in the first round. They were the number one seed again. So here's the thing. Are they going to get better? I don't know. I don't think so because I don't think Eric Bieniemy is coming. I don't think he's walking through anybody's double doors at this point because he has his own team to worry about and he has his own job to worry about. So um, it's not looking good for the Chiefs. Um they might actually be out in the first round for the first time since Pat has been there. And that's okay, man. The NFL is it's a, it's, a, it's a learning curve. Sometimes you'll be up and you'll be way up, and then sometimes you'll be down. And for the Chiefs, even though their record isn't bad, they're way down. They're 9-6. and six. They have the same record as the Buffalo Bills. And we would have never thought that because Buffalo looked so bad and the Chiefs didn't look great, but they still had a winning record, and they had a chance at the number one seed at one point in time. And my, oh, my, in the past three weeks have things changed. So 
good thing is the Las Vegas Raiders have a coach who has players that's going to play for him. Now, how is that going to look next year? Is he going to have the same players? Is he going to have the same offense? And more importantly, he's going to need a quarterback. Um, but are they going to even sign him to a contract? You know, um, Al Davis' son, is he going to sign him? I mean, he signed all these other guys, John Gruden, uh, Josh McDowell. He signed these, signed these guys, and they didn't do anything for the Raiders. Antonio Pierce steps in, and right now they're winning. And if they aren't winning, they're playing extremely hard. So my question is, what are you look? What are you waiting for? Sign the guy, give the team confidence, let them know that the guy that they will go and fight for is gonna be there long term. Don't set those guys up for failure, feeling like they they're doing their best to win and playing for a coach that won't even be there. Don't wait. Go ahead and give the guy a chance. He's coaching those boys up. They're winning, and if they're not winning, they're playing hard, and that's all you could ask for in the NFL. So, good luck to the Raiders. Hopefully, they sign Antonio Pierce for a long-term deal. And Kansas City, I don't know. You got to figure out something. You got two weeks. You got to figure out something. The next game on the slate is the New York Giants versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, we were hoping that the Philadelphia Eagles would be the Philadelphia Eagles, and they would blow those guys out. Instead, the game was close. It actually was closer than it should have been. Jalen Hurts played pretty good. He had 300-plus yards. Um, DeAndre Swift ran the ball pretty good. They kind of looked a little balanced, but, again, their defense, they're lacking something. Um, Their back end isn't good. Their front isn't getting to the quarterback like they used to, and I think the problem is we were so – we love the fact that how they dominated last year, and this year is totally different, Um, and I think that's the problem. If that front seven – do not get to the quarterback, their back end is going to be exposed. And it shows. I don't care who they play, it shows. And it takes Jalen Hurts to be Superman to get his team over the hump. It's taking him. He has, to, he has had to do that at least six or seven times this year because a lot of times they've been going into the first half losing. So my question is, when are you, when are you guys going to put it all together? The playoffs will be here in two weeks. You guys went from the number one seed and pretty much looked like you would be the number one seed till now you'll be the number two seed, possibly, unless you have a mistake loss. And the way they're playing, they could have a mistake loss in the next two games. Either way, that's the two teams I think we believe should be playing for the championship, Philadelphia and San Francisco. Now, some people will say Dallas, and I give them that. I would say San Francisco 1A, uh, Philadelphia 2A. Dallas 2B or flip it around however you want to say it. I just believe that Philly has to figure out what they did last year that they're not doing this year. They do that and they have Jalen Carter. He's going to be the defensive rookie of the year. So it's just a little it's a little flabbergasting how they look and I don't get it. So they won the game 33-25 but Again, it took Jalen Hurts saying, no, we're not going to lose today. We better not lose today. And it shouldn't take that against the New York Giants. They don't have anything to win for. Um, they're they're going to be trying to figure out their quarterback situation because Daniel Jones is not the guy that they paid him. So they're trying to figure it out, but at the same time trying to upset people. And Philly was almost upset. So two more games, Philly, get it together. New York, figure out your quarterback. Now, finally, 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 finally. 
for the game of the week. In most eyes, we would say this is the game of the year. This is a Super Bowl preview. This is MVP versus MVP, or at least we thought. Or you can still say that depending on who you have as MVP candidate on the San Francisco 49ers. Um, That game being the Baltimore Ravens versus the San Francisco 49ers. The first drive, I'll just get to that. The first drive, San Francisco looked amazing. They looked like back to work as usual. And the worst thing could have happened. Brock Purdy threw interception, and it wasn't close. And the best thing could have happened for the Ravens. Kyle Hamilton is a real deal, and he's been it all year. And from there, it was just a snowball. Brock Purdy threw four interceptions. He hasn't threw four interceptions in his career. But from that one interception, his confidence went backwards. Because if you saw that first drive, he was he was dialing it up. It looked easy. And he had George Kittle actually on the under route that he could have threw it to when they were in the red zone. But instead, he chose to go to Debo Samuel, which I'm hearing that George Kittle should have pulled the safety more, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get into the analytics of football because, again, it's just a sporting podcast. And, you know, it's fan fan made for us to decide on how we like it. fact of the matter is he threw the ball late and it was three people in front of Debo. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Again, he's like a machine. You know, we forget that Kyle Shanahan dials up things and he's like a machine. He has to pretty much do what looks good to him. The only difference is he was a delayed machine because he could have still thrown it to Debo Samuel. He just needed to throw it on time. He waited. Kyle Hamilton being the great ball hawk safety he is, intercepted it. From there, it was a snowball effect. He threw another interception. Now, one wasn't his fault in a sense because it batted his arm. I mean, he got his arm hit by Jadavion Clowney, who was hunting that day, and it was another pick. And if you want to say the other one with uh, George Kittle where it hit him in the chest and then it got tipped up, but it looked like he threw that late as well. The fact of the matter is Brock Purdy played exceptionally bad. And it was still a close game at halftime. No matter what, it was still a close game because San Francisco defense is going to come to play. But eventually, 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 the cream is going to rise to the top. And I'm going to even say that with the 49ers. Eventually, the defense couldn't contain Lamar Jackson. They did everything they were supposed to do for as many people, including myself, that harp on Lamar being inaccurate. And he had a lot of bad throws in that game, actually. But that doesn't mean he didn't have a good game because his defense played good. They intercepted the ball. They played smash mouth football, and they set Lamar up to be in – I mean, he didn't have to drive 100 yards. He didn't have to drive 80 yards. He had short field – he had a short field to uh, go down, and he did what he's supposed to do. He didn't make the mistakes that people would say he would make. He made the right throws when it counted. And I'm going to tell you more importantly, he tired the 49ers' defense. There was a play where they thought they had him dead to rights, and he probably looked like Barry Sanders. Even my guy Fred Warner, and I'm a, I'm a, he's one of my favorite linebackers in the league. He's, to me, the best linebacker in the league. Fred Warner couldn't tackle him, and he just looked like we don't know what to do. That one play determined the game. 
to me. And he had Brock Purdy throwing an interception. I mean, that killed his confidence, but that didn't determine the game because at halftime it was still close. But when Lamar Jackson ran that ball, when they thought they had chasing him, thought he had him dead to rice, and Boa came on the other side and they missed him, and he ran for like 17 yards, everybody looked like, okay, that's it. And that's what Lamar's great at. For as much, including myself and a lot of people, as we may criticize his inaccuracies, and he can be, if you're honest, he can be very inaccurate. And he can fumble. He's winning. And he's winning his way. He runs the ball. He doesn't run a lot because I think he's worried about getting hurt like he has in the past. So he picks and chooses when to run. Sure, he overthrows the ball. But he doesn't make a lot of bad decisions like puts his defense in a bad position. He's only done that maybe once or twice this year. And that's good on a 17-game season. So, again, he'll probably be the MVP. Now, do you want to say Christian McCaffrey? Because, as you can see, Christian McCaffrey still had a great game. But if you want to say Christian McCaffrey, you're just trying to take away from Lamar Jackson because he doesn't have the gaudy numbers. He doesn't have the 30 touchdowns. He doesn't have the 15 rushing touchdowns. But if you're watching the game, you would know that this his and his defense also, number two, number one, they're dominant. But you got to give him some credit, man. He plays the right way. He plays tough. He's like the epitome of Baltimore Ravens football. And I'm going to tell you this. Pittsburgh wish they had him. The Cleveland Browns wish they had him. And I could probably name about 25 other teams wish they had him. Because for as inaccurate as he can be, he'll win you a game just by himself alone. He can do that. Because this is the best receiving core he's had. Even though a lot of people say it isn't great, it isn't that bad. But even when he didn't have these guys, he can win you a game. He's proven that over the years. He's been an MVP and had better stats throwing to nobodies than he has this year. So that just shows you how good of a player that he is. And I think sometimes with stats, which we all love stats, we get caught up in them. But sometimes you have to say, man, is this guy good? And I've had to say it a lot of times. I would like to see him. Again, I I say that because I look at him like if he could throw better, he would be the, the, the ultimate. Like he would be the perfect person which nobody can be perfect right but if he could throw a little better he would be the perfect player ever so i'm hard on him in general because of that alone but i can't take away from what he does man he's he's amazing he is amazing and he's fun to watch and i'm gonna tell you this if it wasn't for that late drive by sam darnold it would have been a blowout um san francisco wasn't ready they looked ready, but Brock Purdy showed them that uh, we got a lot to we got a lot to figure out. And if Brock Purdy doesn't play great or he does turn the ball over three times, our defense has to figure out a way to win, which is good for them going into the playoffs. Because if Brock decides to have a bad game like he did, where he's throwing one or two, uh, I'll say one one is good enough, two or three t- interceptions, the defense needs to start saying, okay, there's going to be times when we ha- we may have to win a game in this playoffs. So I think this may have helped them. Who knows? Now, the real question is, did it mess up Brock Purdy's confidence going forward? You know, because you can't say, let's put in Sam Darnold because he had a late game drive. You can't do that. You got to go with Brock. So we'll see in the upcoming last two games how they play. And the Ravens. The Ravens have some pretty good two games left. They have Miami, which, again, a lot of people don't believe Miami is good enough to beat them. But they got the Pittsburgh Steelers once again. 
and the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't scared of Lamar Jackson. They aren't scared of their defense because they'll hit back. Highsmith and T.J. Watt will hit back. So that's going to be a tough challenge for them because Pittsburgh is going to have something to fight for. Now, here's the question. Will the Baltimore Ravens have something to fight for? I don't know because they may be number one seed. They may just sit their guys out, you know, so forth and so on, especially if they beat Miami. Would they even have a reason to play um, Pittsburgh? Now, another thing is, would they want to have the Pittsburgh Steelers get in the playoffs? So would they play all their guys so Pittsburgh doesn't get in the playoffs because they'll need to beat them? Because I'm pretty sure they're like, we don't want to keep playing those guys. As good as we are, we know how they'll make the game hard for us, especially if Mason Rudolph can play a little bit. So that's the real question. So, again, I want to say congratulations to the Baltimore Ravens. They were underdogs. I guess rightfully so because they weren't at home, but they're the best team in the NFL. This game wasn't close, but I would love to see this as another Super Bowl game. It wasn't high scoring, but it wasn't low scoring. It was great defense. It was good Baltimore play. But we do believe that San Francisco has another level that they weren't able to get to because Brock Purdy played so bad. And we would like to see them both play at the highest level and see how that turns out. So I don't know if we'll get this game because things happen in the playoffs. Lamar hasn't won. He was one and three or one and four or something in the playoffs. But if there was any year that he could win or get to the Super Bowl, let's just say that this will be the year in San Francisco. If there was any year that you should blow through the NFC and get to the player and get to the Super Bowl, this will be the year. So I hope a lot of people hope that's not Dallas Cowboy fans and Philadelphia fans. This is the game to see. So that being said, the Baltimore Ravens won 33-19. It wasn't close. Good luck to the Baltimore Ravens. You look amazing. But you do got these last two games. Do not let up because these teams have something to prove. And Miami can still win the number one seed. And San Francisco, you need to figure out something that Brock Purdy isn't playing as good as he, you need him to be. You need to figure out if he throws two or three interceptions, can your defense win you the game? Because for the most part, for the most part, it looks like you can't. If Brock Purdy isn't playing good enough, your defense for all the names, for all the players, for all the pro bros, for all the all pro guys. You guys don't look like if your quarterback is playing bad. Now, four interceptions are four interceptions. I get that. But you haven't proven this year that I've seen if your quarterback isn't playing good, you can win. And we've had teams do that. We've had the Browns do that. We haven't had the Ravens do it. Um, but I believe they could. We've had Pittsburgh do it. So the top-tier teams with good defenses, they've done it when their quarterback has been playing bad. Pittsburgh isn't a top-tier team, but their defense is. And they're kind of used to not having a good quarterback. So San Francisco, get it together. Um, I don't know. I still believe they'll win the NFC because I don't think anybody can beat them. The real question is, on the Ravens' side, is Lamar going to pick up where he left off in the season and take off to the Super Bowl? We'll see going forward. we got two more weeks, guys. Two more weeks for the playoffs. Can't wait. So this will conclude my NFL week 16. And, again, great week. I enjoyed it. Um, This is one of the weeks, even though we had the holidays, had to get this out to you guys. Um, Again, throw some comments in. Tell me how you feel about it. 
you know, let me know if there were some things that you didn't like about certain games. Again, I'm here for all the comments, uh, again, critiques, whatever you guys see. Until then, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for watching The Jar. Of course, I wasn't going to let you guys go away without giving you guys the NFL power rankings for this week. Um, you know, there was kind of the similar, um, you know, the similar teams from the last few weeks, just some little shuffles, rightfully so. Um, again, um, some honorable mentions. I always got to throw in there, you know, teams on the hunt, teams that you might have to worry about, things of that nature. So I'll just go ahead and kick things off. This actually will be pretty easy. Um, the number one team in the NFL is the Baltimore Ravens. Balance attack makes them the most dangerous team, makes them the, the best team um, between defense and offense, running the ball, passing the ball. Lamar Jackson, Kyle Hamilton, the rookies on both sides of the ball. Um, they're the best team. They proved it this week because, again, 33-19 to San Francisco, and really it wasn't even 33-19. They got a last-minute score. Um, they're the number one team. 49ers, they deserve to still be – the number two team because they're the best team in the NFC. They pretty much beat everybody else badly, and the Baltimore Ravens are just better than them. But I would say this. They need to run a little more, more than they have, and they need to stop relying on Brock Purdy, I think, going in the playoffs. Now, it might not. they might not need to because, again, they may not play anybody as good as the Ravens. Possibly they will not. Um, but maybe they need to run a little more. I'm not sure because, again, Brock Purdy could be an issue. And he was the MVP candidate. My, how things change. The number three team, Miami Dolphins. Now, I'll say this. They deserve it. They're 11-4. and four, But I think the biggest thing is they need to play more physical. They're a finesse team. They're a fast team. They can scare you with the speed, the track stars, the whole nine. But if you punch them in the mouth, uh, you punch two in the mouth, you let Tyreek get his and nobody else get theirs, you still got a chance to win. The minute Moster starts running the ball and uh, Cheney starts running the ball, you can't beat them. So I think they need to get more physical on the defensive end. If they can add that with their offense, they'll be tough. The number four team is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they're 11-4. Their defense needs to pick it up. They need to somewhat summon what they had from last year. They need more sacks. They need to stop relying on the back end to help them because they can't get to the quarterback. fact of the matter is if they can't hunt, they can't win. That's what they need to figure out because, again, playoffs are coming. Two more weeks. And the fifth team on here is the, I know you don't want to believe it, and a lot of people don't want to believe it, Detroit Lions. 11-4 is 11-4. They won their division. They have, it's been 30 years, I think. So, I mean, they got to have something to celebrate. Um, the good thing is they have a coach that doesn't believe in that's the only thing they need. So they still got a long ways to go. Yeah, let's celebrate the division win, but they have bigger aspirations. And depending on who they play, they could get close to the Super Bowl. Um, we'll see. We'll see. But 11-4 is 11-4. Now, I'll say this. Their defense needs to match their offensive intensity because I think at times their defense looks good, which helps their offense, and it's balanced. If their defense doesn't come to play, they don't have a chance because we know their offense is good. Their quarterback is good. They have a great receiver. They have a good running tandem between Gibbs and Montgomery. So, defense, you have to bring it. Playoffs are on the way. And lastly, for my honorable mentions. Now, even though the other teams have way better records than these two teams, I'm not going to say way better, have better records than these two teams, 
they have to be considered for the top five. One, the Buffalo Bills. Why? Because they're winning. Why? Because they need to win. Why? Because Josh Allen is playing MVP quarterback. No, he's not the MVP. Lamar Jackson is the MVP. But you can't knock what he's doing. He's putting his team on his back. A lot of teams are scared of him. A lot of teams say that, hey, it's not about beating him. It's about him beating himself. So that lets you know the talent he has. You make some bad mistakes. It's like you got to live with it. But the way he's playing now, he can make the Bills dangerous. He just needs the defense to play good and not put the defense in bad situations. You can't throw interceptions in your own red zone and expect your defense who's missing Tredavious Wright, Matt Milano, and so forth and so on to bail you out. Play good football, play the right way, and more importantly, sprinkle the ball out to everybody. Stephon Diggs isn't having the greatest games. But you know why they're winning? Because he's not force-feeding Stephon Diggs. He's going to Jared Cook um, receiving the ball, not just running. You know, he has Kincaid and Dawson Knox. You know, so he has some good talent. Gabriel Davis had a good game the last game. He has talent around him to not force-feed it to Stephon. Now, Stephon does a lot of, you know, complaining. He hasn't complained lately, though. It's kind of funny. They're winning. He hasn't complained. Um... So I wonder what's the issue now, if he does, which is a good thing. He hasn't complained and they're winning. He was complaining when they were losing, he wasn't getting the ball. So is he happy that they're winning? It looks like he is. And that's what I'm happy to see because that means that he's due for a good game. And even if he isn't, with the way they're playing, he's still scary. So if he's going to make the defense worried and he's going to open up for the Jared Cooks of the world and the Gabriel Davises and the tight end tandem, they're going to be deadly. Watch out for the Buffalo Bills if they get in their playoffs. And the final honorable mention, you guys know it, the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns are scary, guys. Cleveland Browns are scary. They beat two of the best teams, no, the best teams in NFL. So here's the real question I have to ask. Because there's another honorable mention that I'm not going to mention. I wasn't going to mention, but I'm going to mention them, and that's the Los Angeles Rams, another team that's very scary. So I'll bring this to you guys. Who are you more fearful of playing in the playoffs, the Los Angeles Rams or the Cleveland Browns? I'll give you my take, and you can comment and give me yours. I believe the Browns are the scariest team to play in the NFL. You know why? Because they play physical football. They run the ball with Hunt and Ford. Um, Joe Flacco is a good quarterback. And remember, in the playoffs, he's even better. I know everybody's saying because he's old, but remember, there was a thing that Joe Flacco was even better in the playoffs. Um, the number one defense, uh, the defensive player of the year, Miles um, Garrett. So you do not want to play the Cleveland Browns. Oh, by the way, they beat San Francisco and they beat Baltimore. So they're not going to walk in any of those fields like, oh, we beat you guys, both of you guys, because we're the number one defense. So let's see what you can do against us. So I would say if you pick between those two teams, I would pick the Cleveland Browns. Now, if you want to say the Rams because the Rams have two monsters at the receiver between Puka and Cooper, I'm not disagreeing. And you have Matthew Stafford who's playing, I think, like the best quarterback football the past four weeks. 
I, I would knock you. You still got Aaron Donald over there. You still got the defense, a lot of no-namers, but they're playing good. They're playing great. And then um, you have the ch- – let's say if you go up against Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys got great defense, but I don't know if you have an answer for both Puka and um, Cooper. And then you have the running game in Kyron Williams. I think he's the second leading rusher in the league behind Christian McCaffrey. Can't even forget about him. So the offense is stacked. So if their defense comes to play, they're going to be a tough out. Trust me on that one. I think they'll flat out beat Detroit if they play Detroit. Play Detroit. Dallas will be a good test, but I'm telling you, those two teams are the scary ones. Now, you can say Buffalo. Um, I just think that this isn't the year. That's just me. I don't think it's the year for the Browns or uh, the Rams. But I would say as far as making a team lose that nobody expects to lose, the Browns and the Rams could do that. And Dallas is the team that everybody expects to have a chance, and no, that'll be the team that gets upset. Baltimore Ravens. You hear me, Baltimore Ravens are the team everybody expects to go to the Super Bowl. Cleveland could change that. I know a lot of people are like, oh, if you're watching the Cleveland Browns, they could change that. So, with that being said, this will conclude my Week 16 Power Rankings for the NFL. Until next week, thank you guys for watching The Jar. And if you like what you're listening to and seeing, drop a like and please subscribe. Until then, I'll see you guys.